Hi, it's Jesse, the founder of MaxFun, coming to you from the microphone at my home office where I am socially segregating. So we promised you a MaxFun drive this week, but things haven't exactly gone how we expected. So given the pandemic, we're going to postpone this year's drive. Uh, Events are still fluid, so we're hesitant to give you specifics about new dates. Right now, we have late April penciled into our calendars. We'll keep you posted about that. As it stands, a lot of our drive machinery was already cranked up. So for one thing, you might hear a reference or two to the drive in our shows, which might have been recorded before we made this decision. And uh, here is some good news. There's a bunch of great bonus content available for all of our MaxFun members. If you're a member and you miss the email with instructions on how to listen, check your spam folder or log in at MaximumFun.org manage. Uh, also at MaximumFun.org manage, you can change your membership if your circumstances have changed. We know this is a tough time for a lot of people and we understand. You can also go to MaximumFun.org slash join at any time if you'd like to become a member. During the next couple of weeks, what would have been the drive, we're going to do our best to be extra available to you. Uh, we've got some streaming events planned, some social media stuff. We know a lot of folks are isolated right now, and we want to help provide comfort in the best ways that we know how. You can follow us on social media, and we'll let you know what's up. During this tough time, I have been feeling really grateful for my community of colleagues here at MaxFun and for you, the folks who make our work possible, goofy as that work may sometimes be. Stay safe out there. We're thinking of you. A billion years ago, there was nothing but space. Then one of God's wet farts blew all the planets in place. There were no signs of life on Mars or Venus, but planet Earth was blessed with two baby geniuses. Baby geniuses, we know everything. Baby geniuses, we know everything. Baby geniuses, we know everything. Baby geniuses, tell us something we don't know. Hello, Hello, babies. babies. Welcome to Baby Geniuses. I am Emily. I am Lisa. Thank you for listening to our show. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my Oh, my goodness. I am having, I'm like, (laughs) for some reason when we were preparing to record today, I was just so zonked. Me too. It's daylight savings. We're recording this a week early. It's like the first day, so there's a little bit of that going on. And it's been a rough week. And yeah. I, who knows what it'll be like a week from now when this episode airs. Oh my gosh. On a scale. So much could change. On a scale from one to 10, how scared are you of the coronavirus? Of the coronavirus? This might change in the next week. This is one of those things where it's starting to dawn on me that everyone is more scared than I am. And <laughs> that is what I'm afraid of. Right. I am afraid that my denial is going to kill me. <laughs> Yeah. Not necessarily from this, but from something eventually in my life. Yeah. Because I have this, like, I think it's subconscious. I don't think it's like a conscious thing that happens, but it's obviously a side effect of being a massively privileged person my entire life. But even though I have anxiety, even though I have a lot of things that I do worry about, deep down, I believe nothing truly bad will ever happen to me. (laughs) (laughs) Even when faced with the possibility 
I think I'm going to die of this virus. (laughs) (laughs) So you're at a 10. Well, it keeps going back between like a five and a 10. Okay, okay. I did. I did go to the store and like buy a bunch of quarantine things just to like prep. Okay. What did you buy? Just like extra food that I would eat anyway. So <laughs> I, I got a little greedy. I got like 11 cans of tuna and I got a, like a four boxes of the pasta I like. Oh and, man. Like, yeah. I kind of went a little overboard, but I'm going to eat that stuff anyways. But then I got like cookies, which normally I don't buy because I can't keep cookies in the house because I'll just eat them. Um, but I bought them just in case, like if I have to self quarantine, let's have some fun. Let's have some cookies. And then I already ate them all and <laughs> basically made myself feel sick. So, so now your fears are even worse. cause now you're like, well, now I am sick and yeah, I don't have my, my quarantine cookies. And I'm basically a Labrador. So like, what does that mean? Like a Labrador retriever. Yeah. Like I can't control myself around food. Like oh, I just <laughs> is that what their deal is? I feel like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just like, rah, 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 and then I'm like, oh, I feel sick. That, and I'm just like lying on the rug, like moaning. I didn't moaning. know that that was like unique to Labradors, but I did have a lab growing up and she used to get into the garbage so much. It's definitely a lab thing. <laughs> and she ate like a whole bag of chocolate chips one time and we had to get her stomach pumped. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm like around chocolate chips. <laughs> I mean, all dogs are like that basically, but labs especially. So what do you have to do if you are self-quarantined? You have to like stay in your house. <laughs> what if, What about like if you think you might have it, but Adam doesn't? Uh, then I'm supposed to stay in a room away from Adam. Yeah. And he has to like put on a mask and gloves to come see me. I don't know. Oh my God. I mean, it's like if I get it, Adam will get it and vice versa. Yeah. Um. Also like what I... I can't find an answer to this. What do you do if you have like animals at a barn that you need to take care of and you're quarantined? (laughs) Why isn't the CDC addressing horse owners? (laughs) Well, it's like if I'm quarantined, I'm sorry, I'm going to go to the barn. Like I don't have a choice. Like, yeah, my horse has to get out. She can't just sit in a stall for 14 days. I mean, you can, can't you get someone else at the stable to like walk her around? Possibly, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, People in the equestrian district will have to just keep going out, I guess, because they can't yeah. just sit there. That sounds like something you need to address with the stable owners. Be like, what are you going to do if someone <laughs> has? Because you don't want other people coming in and taking care of their horse if they have it. Right. I'm kind of laughing at the idea of addressing anything with the stable owners. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, this is it, a very just so many things that rarefied problem think. that most people yeah. don't have to worry about. But, but uh, still, but it's, it a, is. it's yeah. Meanwhile, Adam is like a super spreader because he goes to like so many events and things and he's oh, just yeah. out all day. And he can't stop touching his face. I know. We it's, all love touching our face so much. I pick my nose like every two seconds. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. I'm not going to stop doing that. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't. I wash my hands a lot, though. So I do wash my hands a lot, but I'd rather die than not pick my nose and <laughs> wipe my boogers all over my phone. <laughs> Oh, what is boy. what's even the point of living if I can't do that? Yeah. I do want to endorse these cookies I ate, even though I ate too many of them and they made me sick. Baby geniuses endorse, letting nature take its course. Endorphins pump from the source when they hop up on that horse. Two babies, one endorse horse. Endorsing services and items, no remorse. Two babies, one endorse horse. Riding off into the sunset, now here's something we endorse. Okay, the Bob's Red Mill gluten-free chocolate chip cookie mix 
Oh. Where all you have to do is add like an egg and some butter are so good. They taste like something from Milk Bar. They're so delicious. Oh, wow. They're like my perfect chocolate chip cookie where they're like a little bit salty. There's not too many chocolate chips in there. It's like the perfect balance. Also, didn't Bob's Red Mill just go co-op? Uh, they did a couple years ago. Um, that was an old oh, was. article. But he, yeah, his employees own two thirds of the company. That's so cool. He's like 90 and he still works there and he just seems like the most wonderful person. That's so great. I love Bob's Red Mill. I love that it's like, I didn't know that it was like a real person named Bob and of course it is. And like, yeah, it's and- so funny because it's like, why don't you go more specific with the name? <laughs> yeah. <no. laughs> when it's a real person, it's like Newman's own. Okay. It's Paul Newman. We all know who that is. Yeah. His name's Bob and he looks like Santa Claus. It's great. And he makes delicious grains. <laughs> Yeah, he's like Santa Claus if Santa Claus actually cared about his workers. Right. <laughs> yeah, unionize your elves. Um. <laughs> um, I have an endorse horse as well. Ooh. Two babies, one endorse horse. Endorse horse. I would like to endorse the uh, Fisker's Three Claw Garden Weeder. <laughs> it is a standing weeder uh, where you can um, pull weeds in your garden while standing up. You don't have to bend over. You don't have to get on the ground. And it like, it digs into uh, the dirt and then clamps together when you like move the handle and then you can just like lift it out and it like pulls them up kind of like by the root. What kind of, what price range are we talking for this item? It's like, uh, the one I got, I think is like 30 bucks. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. Good. Um, I actually don't know if I, Got the best kind, but uh, I like pulling I up weeds. It's really satisfying. You would love this. It's like the one time it's okay to just destroy yeah. a life. <laughs> Mine only has three claws. Some of them have four claws. Uh, I feel like you don't need more than three claws. <laughs> <laughs> Does it feel like when you're playing that like um, plush animal grabbing game? Yes, it yeah. feels like a claw machine game, but every time you win a, a weed, yeah, or a, a piece of plant, um, yeah, but it's it, it's a higher success rate. Yeah, yeah. But uh, then if if those things were just full of weeds, you probably wouldn't yeah. pump quarters into them. But it was the type of thing where like I got it and I did it for like an hour, and then I was like, I should probably stop because even this is probably going to fuck up my back a little bit. Just from the repetitive motion of it. But oh, you went a full hour and you still had more weeds? Yeah. Well, what I'm doing with it is I'm actually using it to pull up plants that I want to save. Oh. Because I am giving up on my Daimondia, which right. is the silver carpet, which is like the grass substitute that I put in. Yeah. But I didn't put in enough of it and it didn't fill in and I didn't properly take care of it. And the gardeners planted it and they didn't put down uh, weed barrier or mulch in the areas where they planted that. Cause mm-hmm. I wasn't home when they did it. And so they didn't understand my planting plan. And, um, so now what I need to do because that area, because it doesn't have like barrier or mulch has gotten like too many weeds. Mm-hmm. And I am not confident that the Daimondia will fill in. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull up all the living Daimondia, put it aside, try and get it healthier, uh, weed barrier and mulch, just cardboard and mulch that area for like a few months to try and let the weeds die. Uh-huh. And then um, and then redesign that area with like some Daimondia, but like closer together and then other plants as well. 
Oh. Yeah. So I'm kind of redoing my backyard. No one tell the city of LA because it's not going to be the same as the plan that I submitted when I got my rebate for my turf removal. But You're probably used to that. Yeah. Plans change. Plans change. And I'm still going to follow their rules, but. Hmm. Anyway. <laughs> well, I won't narc. I endorse the Fisker standing weeder. <laughs> uh, it's pretty fun. Should we talk at all about how we're doing Max Fun Drive right now? Oh, yeah, it's Max Fun Drive right now. So we're going to have some pledge breaks. Yeah. Um, Please support our show. Uh, It's something you can listen to while you're home quarantined. (laughs) (laughs) That is not the best way to promote the show, but I also am not. It's not the worst. People need podcasts to listen to. Yeah. Um, Um, hopefully we won't have to start recording this over Skype, but (laughs) we'll see how the next month plays out. Yeah. You remember when that guy who had Ebola, um, that doctor, he like came back to New York and he immediately went to the meatball shop and then, I don't know, I've just been thinking about that all day. I don't remember this. Please refresh me. So, okay. He was a doctor in Africa, like helping with Ebola and then he flew back to New York and then immediately, instead of like waiting to see if he maybe also had Ebola, he went on like a run. He went to the meatball shop and he went bowling. <laughs> and oh then my God. Everyone flipped out. Um, and then like uh, de Blasio had to eat at the meatball shop to like prove that it was safe and that you weren't going to get like meat- meatball <laughs> Ebola. And it just, it just seems so quaint to me now. Oh man. Yeah. I love when a meatball is at the center of a controversy. Uh, yeah. Controversy. That really makes me laugh. And I also, I just miss that time because uh, the Obama administration had such like a strong, fast response to the Ebola scare. Oh, yeah. And it was great. They were like handing out phones to people who were arriving and calling them three times a day to check their temperature. It was like very organized. Oh, I miss I'm, it. I miss that kind of thing. Yeah. It is. the Yeah. It's it's scary what's happening right now, and I wish we had a competent government to deal with it. But That'd be great. Yeah. Um, it would also be great if Trump got the coronavirus. Is that a bad thing to say? Is that a legal thing to say? I believe it strongly in my heart. <laughs> Can I say something if I just firmly want it to be true and think it would be, like, poetic and beautiful? We're deep enough into this podcast. If either of you report us for treason, come on. <laughs> Either of you listeners. Yeah. <laughs> either of our two listeners. Is that what I did I say? Either of you? Yeah. <laughs> if any of you. You better be Max Fund members, both of you. Oh, man. I wanted to talk. We wanted to talk about this thing that we were talking about online the other day. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I tweeted something about how I have this very irrational, indefensible pet peeve. That is like, it's an aversion to um, when directors or showrunners work with the same actors over and over again on different projects. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why it bugs the shit out of me. I think we've talked about on the podcast only in the context of Tim Burton. (laughs) Um, Because Tim Burton and Johnny Depp's like repeated collaborations drive me crazy. Yeah, that's annoying. He's just miscast and everything. And it's just... It just feels like it's being shoved down my throat. Yeah. I think my, but the reason why I tweeted this was because I was watching Marvelous Mrs. Maisel Mm -hmm. and there was a character in season three that was clearly written for an actress from Gilmore Girls. Right. And it felt so out of place Mm -hmm. and I got so annoyed where I was like, if they had had just any other actress, I don't think I would have cared. It has to be done well. 
Like they, ha- they have to be cast well. You can't just like plug the same people into every project regardless of whether they belong. Right. And I think I'm more on alert for them being miscast mm-hmm. when it is someone's favorite actor. How do you feel about like Wes Anderson using the same people? He's got like, like a core group of people he likes. But I feel like he always mixes in new people. Who are the, I mean. The, he likes Francis McDormand. He likes. What, uh, what Francis, what Wes Anderson movies was Francis McDormand in? Oh my God. Uh, I can't list them off the top of my head. Um, it's, she was in Moonrise Kingdom. I'm looking it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's in the new one. Um, I feel like he only reuses people a couple times aside from Bill Murray, who he yeah. uses all the time, which yeah. I think is a little much. Bill Murray, I also have problems with because by all accounts, he's a terrible person. Yeah. Um, so, uh, that I, I do have a problem with, but I don't know. I, I can't think of someone where I'm like, oh, Wes Anderson uses that person way too much. Yeah. Where uh, it feels like their thing. Where I'm like, when I watched Little Women, I was like relieved that Timothy Chalamet was not miscast. Yeah. I mean, uh, Greta Gerwig uh, is going to work with like Saoirse with Ronan. Saoirse Ronan forever. And I'm yeah. like, it's always going to bother me a little bit. I think. Oh, is it? I like yeah, it. I, I mean, it bothered me a little bit in Little Women, even though she was good. She was so good. Yeah. I don't know why. I like it. I feel like it's nice to see like a collaboration where it's like, yeah, this person trusts this person and right. uh, like they're part of their team now. Like it's like how you use the same like cinematographer every time or whatever. Like they're just part of your crew and they can like do their job and you have like a, a shared language. Right. I know I'm wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Does it bother you because it seems like they're friends and you feel excluded? No, it's not even that at all. I think it's more that like I, as the viewer have to, I find it distracting. Yeah. I find it distracting. It makes me think too much about who the actor is playing the role. And what about an animation? Like, uh, when they use the same voice actors over yeah. and over again. Like, I, I just don't think there are as, as many examples of that. I feel like there's people I've worked with who I would work with forever if I could. Yeah. Just because they were so good and they just delivered. Who? Um, I mean, well, I don't want other people to steal them. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, people like Nicole Byer. Who yeah. I'm like, she's amazing. I think the difference with animation is, like, the people that you want to work with again and again are chameleons. Yes, exactly. Who can do a bunch of different things. And that makes total sense to me. But it does, I think, and I will, even if Bill Lawrence hears this and gets annoyed, I'm sorry, Bill, but even, and I, again, it's, I know I'm wrong. Bill Lawrence put a bunch of the actors that he loves working with on Clone High uh-huh. and it retroactively bothered me Really, when I started getting more familiar with his other work. Hmm. Um, I don't know why it just, it just always feels shoehorned to me. Wow. And it's not, it's not, and it, all that it means is like, there's an actor that someone likes working with because they're like a lovely person and good at their job. That should be a good reason to get another job. I don't know why it bothers me, but it bothers me so much. (laughs) I find it so, so distracting. (laughs) I like when a role is written for someone specific, I guess. Yeah. But that's the only time when it feels okay. And even then I'm still so removed from, I, I get distracted by it. I agree. It has to be well done. They have to be well cast. Yeah. You have to like disappear into the role a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we both just saw a portrait of a lady on fire. Oh yeah. And oh, that was so good. I wish I had all the actors and the director's name in front of me, but I don't. Um the, yeah. the blonde actress yes. has worked with that director before. And in fact, they met 
working on a film and then dated for a while and then broke up and then made Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Which is um, Isn't that amazing? So wait, so does the director had directed the other movie? Yes. Okay. So it was like an actress that, so did she write the part for her? Uh, it seems like, yeah. Okay. That and also so, makes sense. And because, just like, it's working with her ex and they still get along and like, it's just cool. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's fascinating. Um, yeah. Because what's interesting too about that movie is, so it's the character, the a- actress is Adele Haynell. Yes, that's right. And the director is, what's her name? Uh it is uh, Celine Sciamma. Yeah. Um, so the actress who she used to date and then put in the movie and like used to work with and then um, so much of the movie is about trying to capture that woman's beauty. Yeah. And it's about like you just sort of staring at her face and like kind of like falling in love with what she looks like. Yeah. And, and just like just – Study and it's like, of course, I could totally see someone who used to date that person writing a movie about that about them. You yeah. know, well, and she has this great interview where she describes it as like a Russian nesting doll, where like her and the cinematographer are looking at this other actress who's painting a portrait of this other actress who she used to, you know, be in love with, and it's like just layers and layers and layers of female gaze and looking and looking back and like, yeah, um, G A Z E. I, I joked that this movie should have been called The Female Gaze, G-A-Y-S, because <laughs> I'm stupid. <laughs> but it's a very lovely If you If you haven't seen movie. it, I recommend seeing it. It's, it's a fantastic. Really, it's a really fantastic film. I saw it on Friday, um, as did you. I, did. We both saw it over the weekend. Yeah. Also, after watching it, uh, the next day I was trying to remember the name Eurydice, and so I Googled looking back at a hell wife, and that's how I... <laughs> That story is told in the film. Um, yeah, it's a it's a good movie. It's good. I endorse horse it. You don't have to play the theme song. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else did we want to talk about? You went to Mexico. I did. I went to Oaxaca um, to my brother's wedding. Oh, yeah. That's so exciting. Such a great occasion. And of course, because it's my brother, there was a surprise parade and surprise <laughs> uh, pyrotechnics throughout the evening. Oh, my God. Just sudden fireworks going off like on stage while they were dancing and like in the sky and like. Oh, wow. Did um, he put it all together? Yeah, he I mean, they had like a wedding planner, but like, yeah, he just added on fireworks because he could. Um, that's so cool. And it was just really beautiful. And it makes me really happy. That's great. And now I have a new sister-in-law. Yay. Yay. Uh, the I, pictures were really cool. It yeah. looked like a really fun wedding. It was really fun and beautiful. Um, and Oaxaca is like a beautiful city. Uh, I had to give a speech and I was like so nervous, but then it went How really did it well. Go? It went really great. Oh, good. Yeah. It's just like, it's hard to like speak to, you know, someone who means so much to you in your life and like yeah. make it funny, but also. Did you cry? Um, I cried during the ceremony and then I didn't have a tissue. So I used Adam's tie and then <laughs> the photographer like was right there immediately took like an iconic photo. Of, That's great. Um, yeah, it was very emotional. Um, but did you cry while you were giving the speech? Uh, no, I was shaking a lot. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's, that counts. Yeah, I almost did, but no, I held it together. Um, oh, there's something else I wanted to talk about, unless there's more you want to say about Mexico. No, I think I'm done. Um, uh, I, this is like a kind of an old thing, but, um, my friend Chase Mitchell tweeted about this back in July, but I just saw it yesterday. 
that Steve Aoki oh, yeah. <laughs> owns a pizza place in his neighborhood and lists it under six or seven different names so that it can just like dominate space on delivery apps. Yeah. Like which is seamless. so, it's just like a scam that I had no idea about. And some of the names it goes by are Pizza Aoki, Happy Slice Pizza, Chubby Pie, <laughs> Lorenzo's of New York Pizza, Thick and Tasty. <laughs> These are gross. Regular guys. Uh, pizza a la vodka. They're all at the same address. And all the photos look like uncooked toppings on top of like a shitty pizza. Yeah. It, all, none of the pizza looks good. No. Um. Anyway, this I just makes like me suspect about other things on Seamless and Grubhub. Like, are they all gaming the system? Are they all gaming the system? Is this like a known scam that I didn't know about? I just think it's fascinating. It's clever. Uh, I give it props for that. But it uh, looks shitty. Um, yeah. It also reminds me of another online scam that happened recently related to the coronavirus, Ooh. which is that in China, because kids aren't allowed to go to school right now, oh, yeah. they made this app for them to do homework. homework. And the kids figured out that if they all rated it one star, it would get booted off the app store. And so they all, and they all gave it. Yeah, to be like, no, homework. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Uh, really funny to me. That's great. Um, all right. Uh, should we do chunch chat? Chunch chat. Yes. Okay, it's time for chunch chat, a regular segment where we talk about any news in the world of Martha Stewart's pony, Ben Chunch. Chunch. When the clock strikes noon, we could have a picnic lunch, find wine, full moon, and we're chatting about chunch. Chunch. There's no new Ben Chunch news, but I have a couple of celebrity horsey things. Uh, the first of which is, uh, Bloomberg, um, fuck that guy, but his daughter, Georgina has written four young adult romance novels about the horse jumping world. And, um, Georgina Bloomberg. Yes. Georgina Bloomberg. She is like a champion show jumper. Whoa. And she's always been kind of bitter about people saying that her being a really good show jumper is because her father has so much money. And she's always been like, no, it's just like my own talent. But it's like, but you need hundreds of thousands of dollars to compete in the show jumping world. And to train and to. Yeah. yeah. Those horses are really, really expensive. It's the most expensive sport. So I earned my spot in my money diving competition. (laughs) Like no doubt she's talented, but what allowed her to raised to that level is money. Um, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, in, in fact, one of the books is called the a circuit, which tells us, tells the story of a young show jumper whose talents are called into question because of her father's wealth. <laughs> Sounds like a great and very creative book. Oh my God. I want to read it. I know. It well, good. I want you to read it and tell me about it. Maybe I will. Um, all the books were ghost written by a writer named Catherine Hapka, who also wrote the Lego Bionicle books. So <laughs> that's cool. So she didn't actually write them. They're just sort of published on. Interesting. I mean, they were like co-written, but yeah. she basically didn't write them. Um, wow. Another thing that allowed her to <laughs> publish her own books is her father's wealth. Yeah. Um, and then there's this other news story uh, about William Shatner and his divorce. Oh, yeah. Um, he gets... Uh, <laughs> So he uh, is getting divorced from his wife, Elizabeth Shatner, who is a horse trainer. Um, They met, both of them had spouses who had passed away and then they bonded over horse training and how much they love horses. William Shatner has always been like a horse nut, which is nice. 
Um, and they reached an agreement. Uh, he gets two of their horses, Renaissance Man's Medici and Powder River Shirley. And he gets two dogs, Machado and Double Espresso. And he also- Macchiato. Macchiato, sorry. I don't drink coffee. Um, <laughs> uh, and he, I guess that explains that. <laughs> uh, uh, he also gets all horse semen. Oh, man. And the equipment used for horse breeding. Um, uh, Elizabeth, his ex-wife, gets the horses Bell Revs So Photogenic. That's one name. And Pebbles. <laughs> it's the other one. And she's granted visitation rights with notice for the other horses. Um, as for the estate, she's allowed to visit their ranch uh, to occasionally harvest fruit, and she's allowed to visit the resting place of her first husband and horses who have passed away. Which is so wild that why doesn't she get that estate? Because it was hers when they got married. I don't know. She got she got kind of the bunk end of this deal. I want to know more details about their divorce now. I'm even so even as it feels like we have too much information about their divorce, there's still information that I am interested in. They had a prenup, so neither will be receiving spousal support. Okay. His estimated net worth is over 100 million. Man. Um she's his fourth wife. Uh also their horses are uh American saddlebreds, I believe, which I th- think is like the kind of most bonkers part of the horse world yeah it's like saddle seat and like saddle red show horses because they're just crazy really yeah they're nuts and there's what are like, they, why are they crazy they're um just- they're all kinds of weird things that they do to them to make them step higher and they oh. like do weird stuff like they cut tendons in their tail and Ooh. flip the tail over the back to make the tail higher and like i'm not saying that william shatner did that to his yeah. horses but specifically, it's just like a weird a weird horse thing to be into it's really weird and you can see videos of him like competing uh, he's really? not, he's not bad, but there's one where his, uh, he's in a carriage and the horse flips over, <gasps> um, and the whole carriage Whoa. flips over and he like gets thrown out of it, but then he was fine. Um, wow. <laughs> anyways, he gets horse semen. Good for him. Um, does that conclude Chunch chat? Yes. <laughs> that concludes Chunch chat. Um, we will be right back with one on fun. Macchiato. I don't speak Italian. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, That reminds me of the time. We're still recording, right? Uh, 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 I feel okay telling this story that um, someone heard me say the phrase, uh, who wants a mustache ride? And they were like, what is that? And I was like, just picture me with a mustache Uh and I offer you a ride on it. Uh What does that look like to you? (laughs) And they were like, I don't know. And I was like, it's an offer for oral sex. (laughs) And she was like, oh, well, I'm asexual. So that's why I didn't get that. (laughs) It's like, I'm not laughing at asexuality. Asexuality is real, but. Yeah, but that's just really funny thing. But like, I'm a vegetarian. I can still pick a cheeseburger out of a lineup. (laughs) Like. (laughs) 
<laughs> but I like that um, it's like saying that you, you wouldn't even imagine such a thing like yeah. associated with a mustache. I'm picturing someone riding on your mustache and nothing sexual is happening. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, God. That's Which also wonderful. just reminds me of like, remember when Lyft was like all mustaches? Yes, that was, and it was so like, gross. It's so gross that that was the thing, too. That was the joke of it. It, it was. was. Like, Who wants a mustache ride? It's disgusting. I hate it. And it they were like, like furry and. It was like that when that restaurant named itself Pink Taco. Oh, well, the God. restaurant didn't name itself. <laughs> <laughs> You know yeah. that sentient restaurant? Yeah, but wasn't that it was like, really gross? <laughs> who started that restaurant? It was someone who sucks. Oh. I mean, we know that even though, even not just because of the name of it. Did they suck? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got to look it up. Who was the owner? Yeah. Someone is screaming the name of a douchebag at us right now. Harry Morton, founder of Pink Taco restaurant chain and former owner of the Viper Room nightclub. That tracks. Is that who Whoa, I'm thinking he of? He was found dead at 38. What the Whoa. hell? Hang on a second. Whoa. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're going down a rat. I thought it was like a Kardashian or someone. <laughs> I thought it was. Maybe there was someone who was like a part owner. Yeah. Um, no, the Wikipedia page for Pink Taco. <laughs> this is not yeah. our wiki of the week, but. Um, wow. Wow. That is crazy. How did he die? Um, I don't, I, this is not a conversation for one on fun. Oh, he died of a heart attack. Okay. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> he didn't drown in pussy. <laughs> <laughs> What a way to go. What a way to go. Um, all right. All right. Lisa. Yeah. Um, if you had to pick only one language other than English to magically wake up tomorrow and know, what would it be? Uh, Spanish would be great. Yeah, I'm. I know a bit of Spanish. Like I can understand a conversation if I'm like listening. But mm-hmm. uh, I just all that verb conjugation and stuff. I would like to just know it. Yeah, yeah. Just be able to speak it fluently. Yeah, I feel like that would be the most useful for living in LA and also conversing with my relatives. <laughs> oh yeah, because you have relatives in Argentina. Yeah, right? and then. It's so funny. The other day I posted some pictures on my Instagram of like me in my studio. And in one corner of one picture, you can see a tiny mate gourd. And uh-huh. all the Argentinian people were like commenting like, oh, my God, do you drink yerba mate? Like, <laughs> it's just very cute how Argentinians have like a fandom for their own like national identity. It's like, yeah. oh, my God, you know this thing that we have? Like they're just so excited. Yeah. Is there anything like that about American stuff that you would like if you saw it somewhere? Oh, my God. Apple pie. No, <laughs> I can't like I can't think of what it would be. Oh, my God. A gun. <laughs> We have those in America. Um, it's just very cute. Um, no, I don't tr- currently drink mate because it makes me really Jack excited. Yeah, yeah, it jacks me up. But I do drink it when I go there. All right. Um, oh, shit. I have to ask you a question. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you do. Fuck. Um, if you could pick somewhere to be quarantined. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a terrible question. I should change it. Um, 
uh, fuck. All I can think about is, is like disease and like (laughs) death. Um, (laughs) Ask me a question inspired by portrait of a lady on fire. Okay. Just because that movie was period, so it's like set in a time where it makes me think not about like climate change, yeah, or Trump or anything like that. Yeah, they didn't know anything about any of that stuff. Um, I'm just like, what was your favorite part of the movie? What, <laughs> if you had to like live in one part of that movie, like, what oh yeah. Um, I kind of wanted to eat some of the stews that they were making. Right? Yeah. I always I don't, wanted more information about all the food they were eating. Yeah. I wanted more information about that, that cheese that she eats in the very beginning. That was great. Uh, I know that this is not accessible to people who have not seen this film, which is most people, but it's, I, a, it's set in like France and like what year, like the 18th century or something. No idea. Um, and there, this isn't yeah. a spoiler, but when she first arrives at this place, it's just like at night and she arrives and then she's like taken upstairs. And then at one point she wanders downstairs and I kept joking to Adam. I'm like, um, could I get a snack? I've been on a boat for four hours. <laughs> yeah. She's been <laughs> traveling all day and like trudging through the woods yeah. and like, it's like, do you have anything gluten-free? No, okay. <laughs> sorry. Um, and, and she then, just like grabs this loaf of bread from the cabinet and like and a this, hunk of cheese a and it looks of, so good. Yeah. And and then the maid comes in, the housekeeper, and she's like, sorry, I helped myself. It's like, well, she should have offered. <laughs> You're clearly starving. Um, that looks so good. I also like the part where they're like singing around the bonfire. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was great. So great. It's a great You movie. guys should see this movie. It's really good. It's so very good. well done. Um, all right. All right. Does that conclude one on fun? Yeah, I believe it does. That concludes one on fun. We will be right back with Wiki of the Week. I saw this great tweet the other day. This is unrelated to anything that said, I can't believe Emily Heller and Lisa Hanawalt have seen my girlfriend's ass. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't see that tweet. Well, I was name searching and that's how I found it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Maybe maybe I should name search again. It's been Twitter has been such hell lately. Like, yeah, I just been like not wanting to be on there. I had like one day last week where I was like tweeting a bunch of stuff and I got like so many notifications and I was just like, this sucks. This is the worst. Remember when you could just tweet stuff and you'd get maybe like a hundred faves at most. And And then you were like, this is a good day. And only your friends responded. Yeah. And now it's just like. I did a tweet the other day that uh, uh, that thing about Eurydice, that joke, uh, got like a bunch of faves and retweets, and the responses are just fucking crazy. Oh, God, <laughs> I just yeah. don't understand them. Oh boy, it's fun. Um, well, well, um, it's time for Wiki of the Week. This week's Wikipedia page was sent to us by Jacqueline Jeffrey Walensky. Uh, thank you for that. And it is the uh, Wikipedia page for longtime nuclear waste warning messages. I love these. Um, Longtime nuclear waste warning messages are intended to deter human intrusion at nuclear waste repositories in the far future, within or above the order of magnitude of 10,000 years. Nuclear semiotics are an interdisciplinary field of research first done by the Human Interference Task Force since 1981. So the idea is that, like, 10,000 years in the future, how do we stop people from going to nuclear waste sites? Like, yeah. what if language has changed? So what if, if, like, we're all dead yeah. and this is, like, something we have to warn people about, how do we if communicate like that? And 
apocalypse event. Right. And, yeah. A 1996 report from Sandia National Laboratories recommended that any such message should comprise four levels of increasing complexity. Level one is rudimentary information. Something man-made is here. Level two is cautionary info. Something man-made is here and it is dangerous. Level three is basic info. Tells what, why, when, where, who, and how. Uh, and level four is complex info, highly detailed written records, tables, figures, graphs, maps, and diagrams. Um, it's so interesting to think about this. So how do you communicate this stuff? Yeah. I um, think skull and crossbones, all you need. Yeah. But like, what if that means <laughs> something different in the future to be like a skull and crossbones all of a sudden means like, here's where you can find some exciting bones. I feel like skull to excavate. I feel like skull and crossbones in like bright orange, bright red. I think that'll always communicate like some level of danger. I hope so. Um, and but also might make people curious to find treasure. Yeah. <laughs> so a skull and crossbones, and then have like a treasure chest open with gold and like a crossover. Because <laughs> like even in the last <laughs> couple hundred years, skull and crossbones has also meant pirates. Yeah. 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 So I don't know if that's even reliable. And who knows if that's what treasure will be 10,000 years from now. Like people be like gold. What? This is useless. Yeah. Um, So, okay. Message section. (laughs) The Sandia report aimed to communicate a series of messages non-linguistically to any future visitors to a waste site. It gave the following wording as an example of what those messages should evoke. The first one is this place is a message. And part of a system of messages. Pay attention to it. <laughs> that's such a strange. That's already the wording is so that's interesting. So to abstract me. already. Yes. This place is a message. Sending this message was important to us. We considered ourselves to be a powerful culture. <laughs> yeah. So don't disregard us because we're good. We're smart. Yeah. We're important. This place is not a place of honor. No highly esteemed. Deed is commemorated here. Nothing valued is here. <laughs> so that is also important. No treasure. Yeah. No treasure. This is not a place for treasure. If you're a pirate, stay away. <laughs> yeah. And us saying there's no treasure doesn't mean that the treasure is extra good. Yeah. <laughs> and haunted. Or, you know. Those aren't actually on the list. Okay. No. <laughs> uh, I, I realized they're worded weirdly enough that all our jokes about it might sound yes. like they're on the list. <laughs> okay. What is here was dangerous and repulsive to us. <laughs> this message is a warning about danger. It's almost like they're saying, we regret ever having anything associated with this. We made this and we regret it. Um, okay. This one. The danger is in a particular location. It increases toward a center. The center of danger is here, of a particular size and shape and below us. This is so wild. <laughs> That's weird. It's so vague. The danger is still present in your time as it was in ours. <laughs> but how, uh, yeah. Uh, the danger is to the body and it can kill. <laughs> that's, that's important. I, I want a tattoo of that. Yeah. The danger is to the body and it can kill. Always. The form of the danger is an emanation of energy. That one seems like it's going to be very hard to communicate. That's cool. That just seems cool. Uh, do, you want, do you want that tattoo to remind yourself that things that are bad could actually happen to you? Even though you, you Or is like a warning to other people. Right. Yeah. I'm a danger to the body and I can kill. Yeah. 
All right, the last one is, the danger is unleashed only if you substantially disturb this place physically. This place is best shunned and left uninhabited. <laughs> wow. Oh, it's just so hard because people are just going to do what they're going to do regardless of the signage. Yeah. It's, it's, so, it's so impossible to contemplate all of the things. Um, okay, written messages. The Waste Isolation Pilot Plant has done extensive research and development of written or pictorial messages to warn future generations. Since today's written languages are unlikely to survive, the research team has considered pictograms and hostile architecture in addition to them. Ooh, smart. Texts were proposed to be translated to every UN written language. Conceptual designs for the waste isolation pilot plant included an info center at the geometric center of the site. The building would be an open structure of solid granite or concrete measuring 40 by 32 by 10 feet and containing level four messages. The plans included a suggestion that the building be designed so as to create a distinctive whistling sound when wind blew, when wind blew through it, drawing attention to itself. Same. So this building is just going to catcall everyone. <laughs> Get away from me. I have a cold sore right now, so it's hard for me to whistle. Uh, working as part of the Human Interference Task Force in 1981, Vilmos Voigt from Iotvos Lorand University in Budapest proposed the installation of warning signs in the most important global languages in a concentric pattern around any terminal storage location. As time passed, further signs would be added translating the earlier signs with the earlier ones remaining in place. Interesting. Well, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. So people just have to constantly like update yeah, the yeah. signs. But again, if like most people are wiped out and then like future civilizations somehow reemerge. Stumble upon this. Yeah. Fascinating. Okay. Physical markers. The Sandy Report explored designs for physical markers, which conveyed the concepts of dangerous emanations, shapes that evoke bodily harm, and the concept of shunned land that appears destroyed or poisoned. The design suggested included a landscape of thorns, a mass of many irregularly sized spikes protruding from the ground in all directions. Spike field, a series of <laughs> extremely large spikes emerging from the ground at different angles. That just seems like a challenge. Yeah. Spikes bursting through grid, a large square grid pattern across a site through which large spikes protrude at various angles. Menacing earthworks, large mounds of earth shaped like lightning bolts emanating from the edges of a square site. The shapes would be strikingly visible from the air or from artificial hills constructed around the site. Again, this all just seems like treasure is buried here. I know. Like a fucking lightning bolt <laughs> Stay carved away into from, a mountain. from my precious treasure. Yeah. That also seems like something that could erode and then no longer be yeah. meaningful. Black hole. An enormous slab of basalt or black dyed concrete rendering the land uninhabitable or unfarmable. Okay. Cool. Rubble landscape. A large square-shaped pile of dynamited rock which over time would still appear anomalous and give a sense of something having been destroyed. But then people will pick through it. Yeah. Forbidding blocks, a network of hundreds of house-sized stone blocks dyed black and arranged in an irregular square grid, suggesting a network of streets, quote-unquote, which feel ominous and lead nowhere. The blocks are intended to make a large area entirely unsuitable for farming or other future use. It's so fascinating to, for people to have to, like, abstractly think about what is ominous. Yeah devoid of culture and language like what is ominous to people it's so it's such an impossible question i love this it's so it's so interesting it's weird um cultural memory 
In Europe, the warning models rely mostly on integrating the waste disposal facilities within society so information about their presence can be passed on from generation to generation. Linguist Thomas Sebouk, uh, building on earlier work by Alvin Weinberg and Arsene Dernay, and working as part of the Human Interference Task Force, proposed the creation of an atomic priesthood, a panel of experts comparable to the Catholic Church, which has preserved and authorized its message for almost 2,000 years. The priesthood would preserve the knowledge of radioactive waste locations and dangers through rituals and myths. That's cool. Whoa. Why not? I love that. I love that. Why not? You know? Atomic priesthood. (laughs) How would you get people to go to that church? (laughs) Really cool robes. Yeah. Oh, God. Fascinating. Do do you want to become an atomic priest? I mean, I'm kind of busy right now. I've got a lot on my plate. That would be a good Halloween costume. It would be. You would, again, my ideas for Halloween costumes are always things that require so much explanation. Yeah, I know. How would you explain that? What if... What if you were just like a warning to future generations about a nuclear waste site? And so you've tried to make yourself look ominous. I just used, I just incorporated everything from this page, just like a bunch of spikes and streets that go nowhere. And then like, I'm also a priest. The one person who would know what you were would be so excited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> French author Francoise Bastide and Italian semiotician Paolo Fabri proposed that domestic cats be genetically engineered to change color in the presence of dangerous levels of radiation. What? The significance of these radiation cats or ray cats, okay, which should never be mind. an animated show. <laughs> yeah. Ray cats. Oh my God. Also better Halloween costume. Yes. <laughs> would be reinforced through fairy tales and myths. The story being that one should move away from sites where such creatures are encountered or where domesticated cats begin to exhibit such behavior. Is that possible? And if it is, wouldn't the cats in 10,000 years, they'd probably mutate enough where they no longer. I don't know. I mean. Domestic. I mean, 10,000 years is not that long in terms of like genetic mutation. Right. But how would you guarantee that through 10,000 years, these cats are still going to have this quality where they turn a color? What if the color changes and it doesn't mean anything anymore? These are all very good questions that I don't have the scientific foundation Emily, to I answer. I need the answers. <laughs> I don't know. Tell I don't about know. the ray cats. <laughs> and where can I adopt one? They sound yeah. cute. Yeah. A ray- and how do you make sure the ray cats fuck each other? Yeah. Wow. Fascinating. Uh, see also Into Eternity, a Finnish documentary about how the Uncalo spent nuclear fuel repository tries to resolve the issue. Have any... Um, have any of these messages actually been like put in place or I'm not sure. It's all just sort of like an idea at this point. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I, it seems like some of them have been put into place, um, but I don't know. It's most of the stuff that's referenced is just like designs and ideas, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I want more information about this. If anyone feels like, uh, condensing it in an email and sending to, it to us, I would be very interested to hear what it says. There's definitely some cool like art concepts and stuff that you can uh, like Google image search. Oh yeah. There's, oh cool. There's like an article on Vice about it, and I'm sure there's some really strange Reddit forums. Man, <laughs> yeah. Really, really having a hard time wrapping my head around this. It's it's interesting. Yeah. Um. Well, does well, that conclude Wiki of the Week? Yes, it does. That concludes Wiki of the Week. Uh, It's time now for What Did I Learn? 
What did I learn? Lisa, what did you learn today? Um, what did I learn? Uh, nothing. <laughs> what, what, what? <laughs> okay, that's fair. What did you learn? Um, I learned that there is, um, a lot of thought being put into how to warn future generations against, uh, unleashing nuclear hell on each other. Yeah, that's cool. Which is cool. It's nice to think of the future. Yeah. And I also learned, um, people should think about the future generations when they're voting. Yes, (laughs) you should. And also that I, I learned that macchiato is not a super intuitive word to pronounce. Machiati. <laughs> machato. Machato. Um, you know, I, sometimes you just see a word and you, I knew the word macchiato. It's just like I saw it and it didn't look like. It didn't look like it. And it I get that. It didn't look familiar to me. I only knew from context clues of what the other horse was named or the <laughs> other dog, whatever it was. The other dog? The other dog was named like Lot Espresso or something. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. it was like, oh, they all have coffee names. They all have coffee names. Um, I also wanted to shout out, I forgot to mention this earlier in the show, uh, Joshua Miller sent us an email uh, alerting, uh, alerting me to the fact that there was a Jeopardy episode on March 4th that had three... Con- he- in the email, it says, had three consecutive categories that seemed to describe Emily, and the categories were... Uh, I, I am a, so here are the five categories on the picture. I think they all describe me a bit. <laughs> they all do. Negative thoughts. America's richest self-made women. <laughs> How does your garden grow? Heller. High water. Heller being my last name. High water being my interest in water retention features in California native landscaping. Uh, but uh, very exciting. My family had texted about the Heller category, but uh, I did not. I was not aware of the surrounding categories, so thank you for emailing me that. That was great. Yeah, very exciting. Uh, we have one butt pick. It's a person standing in lacy underwear with purple lace and like little flowers, I guess, on it. And you have a very nice butt. Thank you for <laughs> sending it in. You, you can send us more butt pics or Wikipedia pages or any old weird thing you see at uh, babygeniusespodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can please, uh, please rate and subscribe. Um, yeah. also consider becoming a max fund member. Yeah. Uh, this pledge drive. It's very exciting. I'm very, um, grateful to everyone who has become a member who has upgraded their membership. Yeah. Um, we're super grateful that you are keeping our show going. Yeah. Thank you um, for all the support and for all your kind messages about our show. Yeah. We love it. We love making the show. We love talking to you all. Um, we love learning weird, stupid stuff. And um, the uh, Max Fun Drive is when we make that happen and we reflect on these things. That's right. So we appreciate you. What a wonderful time of year. I appreciate you, Lisa. I appreciate you, Emily. I appreciate you, Rob, our producer. I appreciate you both. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate Nate Heller for making our music. And, and goodbye. goodbye. Yay. Yay. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.